Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Bowhunt and Soul podcast. Uh, glad you made it back. <clears throat> In today's episode, uh, I want to talk about how one gets to start in traditional archery. How do I begin in traditional archery? It seems like uh, you know nowadays it's it's incredibly popular to um, you know to be to, to go trad, right? I mean, and I know I've, I've got friends that kind of hate that term. You know, they, they hate the term trad, trad bow, whatever. They kind of uh, give me a little bit of grief about it. But I mean, it, it's kind of like an industry thing now. It's 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 something that people are talking about. It's something that's uh, growing. It's something that's, uh, you know, ha- had this resurgence through a, ho- a whole variety of factors, a whole host of reasons. Um, and we can get into some of those uh, reasons in a little bit. But basically, you know, people are flocking, you know, into this, whether it is uh, because of, you know, movies. You know, a lot of people have cited uh, movies in the past, you know, six, eight years or whatever, like Brave or uh, Hunger Games or whatever. I've seen great, uh, Babe. Brave. I haven't seen the Hunger Games, but um, you know there seems to be an interest in schools with uh, the, the the NASP program, National Archery and Schools program, um, and just hunters in general are kind of, you know, there, there's there's guys that are like never going to get tired of the technology and the latest and greatest, but then there's guys that are just tired of just the the the, the ease with which they're able to harvest game with their compound. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not one of those guys that can easily harvest game with anything. Um, but I have uh, gone through and I've, I've told you in a previous episode why I kind of went went trad and some of the things I like and dislike about compounds and shooting them. And I still kind of like them, but um, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't have the same draw for me. Um, so a lot of people going traditional you know they're trying to get rid of the they're trying to get rid of the techno they're trying to get rid of the gadgets they're trying to get rid of uh, not relying on technology so much with uh, pinpoint accuracy um, and you might you might kind of roll your eyes at this and say wait a minute don't we want to be accurate yes we do but sometimes it's just a little bit too easy for some people and they want more of a challenge they actually want to you know not you know, not, not brag about or not want to even shoot animals at like 40, 50, 60, 80 yards or whatever it is. You know, they want to shoot animals at four or five, six, eight, 12 yards. And I'm one of those people. Now, that's what's attracted, one of the biggest things is, that's attracted me to it. But you got to understand that people coming into the traditional world, they're coming from different, from, from different places. Some have shot compound, some have shot nothing at all. Some have, um, you know, their, their old, uh, you know, grandpas or dads or uncles or whatever, you know, old, you know, bear grizzly, whatever, sitting in the corner and somebody gifted it to them. And then now they're like, okay, well, what do I do? You know, or if I want to get into traditional, I, I have no idea, you know, I know it's a bow, I know it's got a string on it, but I don't know anything about how to shoot this thing. I don't know how I'm supposed to shoot this thing. Or they may have preconceived notions about how they're, I'm using air quotes here, supposed to shoot this thing. So we're going to get into, um, we're going to get into kind of all of that. Now, the first way I want to tackle, the first thing I want to tackle is guys coming over from compound. The guys coming over from compound. Um, this is a bit of a tricky one because you know a lot of them know how to shoot. They know how to shoot. You know they've been shooting for anywhere from you know a year, six months, whatever, to maybe like thirty years. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of guys who have a lot of experience, and a lot of guys who have experience. Well, they have experience. Oh, how should I put this? They've been shooting their compounds and it's been working for them, but they really don't know how to tune a bow or work on a bow or do anything like that. And it's going to be a little bit of a, oh, not even a, let's, see, let's call it a culture shock, okay? When they have to start thinking in traditional terms. Now, depending on, you know, who has talked to them and who has kind of, you know, put put this bug in their ear. 
they may be coming at it, and I see this all the time, they may be, you know, they may be coming at it from the point of view of, look, I pull 70 pounds, and, uh, you know, I've got, um, you know, a 29-inch draw, 30, you know, and I'm used to shooting this, like, you know, super fast bow, uh, 70 pounds, I know what I'm doing, you know, what bow should I get? Well, when you tell them, well, you know, you really ought to get a, uh, an entry-level bow, and this entry-level bow should be no more than, you know, like, say, three times your holding weight of a compound. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that's probably going to be, you know, like a 30, 30 to 40-pound bow. And they're just incredulous. They're like, wait a minute, I pull 70 pounds. I do this, I do that. And it's like, no, stop. You don't understand. The hardest, the hardest part for me, I think, when I talk to anybody who is thinking about coming over, uh, trying to try traditional, is trying to tell them that the bow that they learn to shoot on, okay, the, the bow that they learn to shoot uh, the traditional uh, on is, you know, is probably not the bow that they're going to hunt with. Now, I understand a lot of people want to, you know, get this bow and they want to, um, uh, just buy one and then, you know, learn how to shoot it and then be ready for deer season. The problem is that bow that you're going to get is going to be like way too heavy. And people, for some reason, don't seem to understand that. Um, like I said, they've got it in their mind that they can pull 70 pounds. Well, yeah, you're pulling 70 pounds, okay? But when you're, you got to remember that, that a compound has let off. And I'm doing the math right here. So if you have like 80% cams, right? 80% let off cams. And most of them have 80, some have 85, some have 90, okay? But even like 80% uh, let off cams, when you're at full draw, you're only holding 14 pounds with a 70-pound bow. 14 pounds, that's it. Now, you're pulling 70 over a hump, right? You're kind of pulling it over the hump and up and over. Once it's over on the backside of that cam, it's smooth sailing, right? I mean, once you get it over, you're fine. And then you're holding at full draw with only, at only 14 pounds. 14 pounds is nothing. If you guys are pulling six, if you're, if you got a 60-pound compound bow, okay, 20% of that is 12 pounds. 12 pounds. Just think, if you were to start with a bow, any, with a bow that is 45 pounds, okay, 45-pound bow, that's still almost four times the holding weight that you're used to with a compound, okay? So, like, you know, it's like 12 pounds, 12 pounds, a 60-pound bow, 12, pound, you know, 12 times uh, uh, 4 is 48, right? So, when we tell people to start with a, a lighter bow, 35 to 40 pounds, I, you know, some people even say, you know, 30 to 35 max. Now, I kind of will push it to 40 and say, you can get by with a 40-pound bow. What... What I don't recommend is the guys that, for some reason, there's this, there's this rule of thumb that came about, kind of like these arbitrary rules of thumb, kind of like the 10 grains per inch or 10 grains per pound rule of thumb that somehow got developed in archery uh, or in traditional archery, and that's what everyone spouts off as the optimal arrow weight. I don't, I don't understand that either. That's just completely BS. But um, somewhere along the line, this rule of thumb is, well, shoot about 15 pounds less than you pull on your compound. Really? So you're pulling 70 pounds on your compound and you're going to pull and learn to shoot on a 55 pound bow because guess what? There's no let off. When you pull back 55 pounds to your 28, let's just say your 28 inch draw length, you're holding 55 pounds. You're holding about six times more than you're probably used to holding with your compound. Six times. Now, I've seen some of these people at the range with a jumpy, you know, a, a jumpy uh, kind of cam bow or a speed bow. Um, and they'll get the bow back, and, and it's everything they can do. First of all, they do the sky draw, right? They do like the big wind up, you know, twirly do in the air. The, the, you know, the bow's pointed upward. You're hoping to hell when they're kind of swinging this thing, they don't swing it up, you know, kind of towards you. It's pointed at the ceiling, and they do this massive sky draw. And they're so proud that they're pulling 70 freaking pounds on their bow. When you tell them, or when you ask them, what do you pull? Yeah, 70 pounds. You barely pull that. Try doing that sitting, sitting up against a tree after you've been still for four hours, you know, in, in five degrees, you know, in drizzle. That, it's not happening. <clears throat> anyway, 
So this idea that 55 pounds, or you know, 15 pounds under what they're drawing. So even if you are, are, are doing, um, if, if you're a compound guy and you're doing a, uh, you know, a, a 60 pound bow, that's still a 45 pound draw. 45 pound recurve or long bow is, is a lot to pull back on for, for somebody that's brand new because you're using, I don't know if I'm gonna say different muscles. I, 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 I don't know enough, to, I don't wanna BS anybody about that. I don't know that they're different muscles. But you're not used to holding that weight at anchor and you're not used to having a clean release off your fingers. Remember, all that weight is going on your fingers, all that weight is in your back muscles, in your arm, and your bow arm. I mean, everything is tensed up. Now, with a compound, you can sit there and draw back and just, just sit back and chill, right? I mean, you can let, you can, uh, you know, the, the deer could be coming in, you know, a minute away. You know, I mean, I'm exaggerating. You know, I, I don't really know of anybody that holds for a minute, really, with a compound. But, I mean, theoretically, yeah, you can. You can pull this thing and just kind of sit there and chill and relax and get your wits about you or, or wait till it clears brush or gets closer or, or whatever. With a recurve, you don't get that. Or with a trad bow, you don't get that. You don't get the, the option to just kind of pull back and relax. Your muscles are on fire the entire time you are at full draw. Um, that's why you see some people will like snap shoot. Um, we'll get into different types of shooting in another episode, whether it's snap shooting or, or holding at anchor. Uh, I, I tend to hold at anchor for a few seconds. Um, but anyway, uh, the, mus the muscles needed are, are completely different, are, are, are completely different load. I should let me say it that way. They're, they're constantly being used, where they're not being used as much with a compound. So the, you, you got you to put the ego aside. And I was one of these two. Actually, you know, you know what? I, I, I was not I wasn't. I knew I was going to start off with a low poundage bow, but I still wanted to straddle that line of, man, I want to learn on a light, light enough bow because I hear all these people and I don't want to be stupid, but I still want to be able to have a heavy enough weight that if I needed to, I could hunt with that bow. I'm putting up my hand right now saying, yes, I was, pro I was that guy. I, was, I, I had that mentality, but I never had the mentality of, oh, I can pull anything and hold anything because I knew how hard it was going to be because I'd done a lot of research. I'd done a lot of reading. I'd done all this stuff, and I knew... I knew that um, for me to have, you know, a good form and a good release and good repeatability, and repeatability is everything, good releases too, but repeatability is everything, um, I was going to have to start off light. Now, um, some people are going to say, well, if you start off too light, the string doesn't come off your finger as cleanly, right? And this is true to a point. Um, if you shoot too light a bow, guys that shoot heavier poundage will tell you that, you know, when we've got a 55 pound bow or whatever, trying to jerk, you know, like, you know, it, it pull, when you relax your fingers, I mean, it, it pulls that, the string pull, you know, flicks your fingers off of there with some authority, right? Way more than, let's say, like a 30 pound bow, which doesn't, you know, pull forward with as much authority and the, and the heavier poundage has a cleaner release. That's what I hear all the time. I don't shoot heavier poundage, but I can believe it. I can believe those guys and I can believe where they're coming from and I, under, I understand. But for a person learning, a person learning, they don't need to worry about those things right now. Well, they need to worry about a clean release, but they need to, they need to learn the, the, the mechanics of just drawing, holding, uh, whether they're going to turn into a snap shooter or a quick shooter later on down the line or not. I think they should just you know draw back, hold, and just feel what it's supposed to feel like at full draw, okay? Your bow arm up and not dropping, your bow arm and not collapsing, um, you know, your, your stomach muscles, you know, supporting your core and supporting your upper body. Um, and, and I'm not talking you have to sit there with perfect, like, Olympic-style form, totally vertical, totally vertical bow. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the, 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 right before the moment of truth, before you let that arrow go, whether that moment is like an instant or it's like three, four, five seconds, people need to understand and get used to that, that whole feeling and feeling comfortable there because your mind is going through so much at that point. It's got a lot of inputs coming into it, lots going on. All these things are firing off in, in, in your brain. You're like, oh my God, this feels heavy. What, where am I going to, where, where am I supposed to look? Am I supposed to, you know, look at my hand, my bow, my, uh, uh, you know, the target and the tip of my arrow, you know, blade of grass over there, you know, whatever. There's so much going on that it's overwhelmed. And I think 
I can't speak for everybody, but for me, trying to shoot a traditional bow, um, I needed uh, reps. I needed like, you know, constantly shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting to ingrain this, to ingrain certain feelings like, okay, this feels right, this doesn't feel right. Oh, I'm torquing a little bit. No, I'm not torquing a little bit. I'm torquing a little bit too much. No, this is, this is acceptable. This is going to fly right and this is not going to fly right. I'm at anchor. Am I really at anchor? Am I collapsing? All these things you're going to learn and your brain has to have time to learn these things. So, with a lighter bow, all it's really doing is, let's put it simply, it's buying you time. It's buying you time at full draw, okay? Because if you try to yank back that 55-pound bow, it might come back. It might come back all the way, and you might come back to an anchor that, you know, someone tells you should be your anchor. Um, and you, by the way, down the road, you have to find your own anchor. Um, you know, whatever you start off with, someone can give suggestions, I can give a suggestion, but you really have to... Uh, kind of mold your form and mold your style into what works for you down the line. But for starters, you need to know like, okay, this is full draw. This is, you know, drawing too much. No, this is not drawing enough. Um, I've got my finger here. It's at the corner of my mouth or inside of my cheek or whatever. And this is what everything feels like. These are what the muscles feel like. This is what the sight picture feels like. And oh man, if I hold on to this for another three or four seconds and I'm holding my breath and I'm not really breathing. And then, you know, we all know when we hold our breath, when we're trying to do something, we start to black out, right? I mean, it starts, stuff starts to go gray. You start to lose focus and vision. That's the real thing. You're starving your brain of oxygen because you're like all, you know, puffed up, clammed up and not, not breathing because you're, you know, shaking like a dog, you know, shit in a peach pit. So, you know, lightweight is good. So back to the compound thing. I see, there's very few people that I, and by the way, I am not a coach. I'm not even going to say that. I'm not a coach. But there's very few people that I interact with on, let's say, um, if someone comes on to, you know, like Archery Talk or one of the Facebook groups or whatever. And, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to come off as an expert, but I'm trying to offer advice to someone who's been there down that road, starting from a compound, going into traditional archery, and making some of these mistakes. And I see I, very few people that I see are like, yep, I'm 100% going to start off with a 35-pound bow. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do the crazy thing. All right, continuing on. Sorry, I got a phone call there. Um, I think I left off saying that uh, there, there's very few people that say they're going to start off with, uh, you know, a 35-pound bow. And that's great. Uh, for the most of them, you know, I, I can I can see I can almost write out the script when someone you know new uh, we, you try to be welcoming but when someone new comes into like any kind of like traditional forum they ask the same questions what bow do I start with what poundage should I pull blah 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 and then everyone you know a lot of people will chime in saying do the 35 40 pound bow max and then they ask the same questions right I can pull this but I pull that but blah 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 and you know and people are giving them you know answers and they're responding saying yeah okay thanks for the advice guys you know but you know they're just like yeah yeah okay I know what they're telling me but I'm I'm different I'm somehow different than like the thousand other people that ask the exact same goddamn questions and they got the exact same freaking answers, but yet I'm somehow uh, going to beat the odds. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're some sort of like virtuoso with, with a stick and a string. But uh, for the most part, you're probably going to be just like everybody else where you're going to get a heavy bow. You're going to go through, um, you know, learning difficulties and you're going to come back and you're going to say it's heavy. Now, the best thing you if you're going to go down that road, the best thing you can do is go get yourself a 55 pound bow. Because you will immediately learn, like, whoa, nope, nope, this isn't working. This is way too heavy. The worst thing you can do is go get, like, a 45 to 48, 49-pound bow, 50-pound bow, and be in the middle where, you, where it's probably good enough to pull, and you're doing just kind of sort of well enough, but you're still not doing everything right. And it's not too heavy for you to be like, whoa, this is obviously drastically too heavy. So you convince yourself that you can still do this with, with that, that, that in-between gray area, uh, of learning, that's probably the worst, the, the worst part. The best thing you can do is get yourself a 35 to 40 pound bow and learn. So, um, what bows, I guess we can move, move on to, let, let's leave the compound guys out of this. I, I, I don't want to keep beating them down, but I just keep seeing the, the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And it gets a little, um, you know, it, 
you're, you're, you're not, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, you're, you're probably nothing special. Sorry, sorry, guy, girl, whatever. You're, pro- you're, you're just like everybody else, you're going to have to go through the same way. Now, a brand new beginner to archery who has n- was not coming over from a compound, that's probably a little bit better. Um, this is uh, kind of like in, in, in the business world or in any other world, you know, where, um, you know, a lot of times pe- good, bad, or indifferent, a lot of, a lot of um, employers, for example, will, would rather uh, hire someone brand spanking new, a, not because you got to pay them less, but that's, you know, that's that too, but um, because they're moldable. They don't have any bad habits and whatever your business is, your process is, or whatever industry or, you know, sector you work in, you can teach them exact to do the job exactly how you want them to do it. Well, the same thing goes with uh, traditional archery, or any archery in, in general, I guess. But um, w- when someone has never shot a bow before, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in picking up, uh, you know, uh, learning traditional archery, how do I do it? Perfect. They're coming at it from a much, much more open mind because uh, they probably had, don't have, you know, years or any experience with a compound. They don't have any preconceived notions of how much weight they think they can, they can pull. Because, like I said, people see that, you know, you know, yeah, I pulled a 70-pound bow or 60-pound bow. I'm telling you, a 60-pound bow in a recurve is freaking heavy. For me, it's heavy. I, I shoot 40-pound bows. We're going to get in, into bow, ba- uh, bow weight later. Um, I've got bad shoulders, uh, but that's not, part, that's not the only reason I shoot a lighter bow. I would like to shoot heavier, yes, but um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get into the, um, the whys of, of, of what I shoot um, somewhere, in, in maybe in another podcast or down the line. But anyway... Um, so the best way, the, the, the best ideal student, I guess, if you will, would be somebody that's just brand new and they're just willing to learn. You're like, here, go get a 30 pound bow, depending on your build, maybe 35. And then, uh, you know, here's, here's some arrows. Let's just learn to shoot. Now, moving this conversation along to what bow should I get? You know, there's, there's, there's lots of options out there now. Uh, let's assume that you're not getting a hand-me-down. Okay, hand-me-downs are always a, vi- you know, a, a viable option, but as long as, and as long as it's light enough, that's fantastic. But if someone getting into this, what bow, you know, what, what bow would they like to get? What, what bow would be good for them? Well, Sam McSage has been uh, the, you know, the standby forever, right? I mean, everyone's always recommended the Sam McSage. Uh, you can get this at Lancaster Archery, Three Rivers, Bass Pro, Cabela's, pretty much anywhere. And it goes by different names. Um, and I, it, it, it's Korean made. Samick's like a really good name in that industry. And I, I'm not even going to tell you, uh, the, how many different names it has, but you, if you see the bow, you will, you will see that. Yeah, it's the same damn bow. Just, just different, um, just different names and different packaging. It's been around forever. I think you get limbs as low as 30 pounds all the way to 55. I learned to shoot on one. And honestly, I mean, you could take that bow and kill anything in North America with it. Okay. You sure you can order yourself a thousand dollar, two thousand dollar custom bow. Absolutely, they're beautiful. But I mean, are they going to shoot any better than a lot most other bows? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's all feel. It's all very subjective. The whole custom uh, or the, the the trad bow world is is you know it, feel is everything. But there's nothing wrong with a Sam Sage. It's well built. They 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 put out thousands and thousands of these things. Um, and they're very, very durable. Yeah, you might hear the occasional riser crack or this, that, or the other, but it's just, just like it's just volume. They put out so many of these things that you know you're you're bound to hear you know one or two bad things. But they, you know, 150 bucks out the door probably for these things, and you're in business. Okay, well, at least as far as like the bow is concerned. Um, Mandarin Duck is another company. It's a Chinese uh, Chinese company. They and they're they're putting out um, some bows. Uh, Lancaster sells their version of it. They call it the Galaxy Ember, but uh, other people they're, they're, it goes by other, that's the so excuse me it goes by other names. Uh, Galaxy Ember being one, Mandarin Duck, uh, the Black Hunter, um, which is a terrible name by the way. I don't know how they came up with Black Hunter. It it, it just sounds mean, but um, that's the name. Um, and they come as a recurve or a longbow. And they're getting fantastic reviews. And again, they're about the same price. You know, so maybe even a little cheaper you can find them. But, you know, for well under, well under $200, you can get either one of these bows. 
and you can learn to shoot on them. And honestly, if you don't want to upgrade, you can shoot these bows forever and they are just fine. And they were, they will perform and drive an arrow just as good as any other bow, uh, that you're going to find out there. Now, some of these, um, <clears throat> some of these bows, whether it is the, the Mandarin duck one or definitely the Samic Sage. I know the Samic Sage does. I'm not sure about this Mandarin duck or the Galaxy or whatever, but there, a lot of them are sold as, um, as kind of ready to hunt, uh, kits as well. Uh, Three Rivers sells them. I think Lancaster might put together something too. I'm really not sure. Um, these kits, I don't know. Some people like them. Some people don't. Um, it all kind of depends on, on what your preference is. Now with them, sometimes it'll come with a stringer, which I think is very important. And it'll come with a tab or uh, with a shooting glove. Um, I don't think I've seen a tab offered for them. Um, and I, I don't know, it might, it might come with, you know, a, a couple other, a couple other things, but, um, for me, I, I would kind of shy away from that because there's a lot of like useless stuff in some of those kits that, uh, that, that just aren't, you know, all that great. Now, I'm not a glove person and I'm not going to try and steer you away from a shooting glove, but it seems like the glove is kind of falling out of favor uh, fast. It seems, you know, the, the, glo the glove used to be a shooting glove, like a leather shooting glove. You know, we got the three fingers, uh, you know, little, their little uh, finger, you know, stalls or whatever. Um, they used to be super popular, right? Everyone shot with a glove, like I'm going to say back in the day in air quotes, but it seems like more and more people are shooting, um, uh, shooting a tab. I, I think I've tried a glove at like a Cabela's or whatever, just to try it just for shits and giggles. And I'm sorry, they just feel clunky and thick and there's no feel at the end. Of your, I mean, I, I don't like them. Um, even guys who have been shooting for decades with gloves, all of a sudden try, um, try a tab. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm never going back to a glove. Uh, it's, it's, and a lot of them do the same way with uh, shooting, you know, either from switching from like split finger to three under. They're like, oh, I'm never switching back to, uh, you know, split finger. But anyway, that's another thing. But I would get myself a good glove or, or a, good, uh, a good tab. Uh, you can buy, you know, like an $8 tab you can buy at pretty much like even, even the big box stores, you know, Cabela's, Bass Pro, whatever. They've got calf hair on them. Um, most most archery shops, outdoor shops, will sell them. That's one of the few things that they will actually carry traditional related stuff, um, and they're not bad. It's just like I said, it's calf hair, and um, you know, it, yeah, it'll wear out. Um, I personally really like the Fred Eichler tab. Uh, I believe it's it's through uh, Three Rivers is the only place that that sells it. Uh, I really like that tab. I modify mine um, a little bit weird. I put a slit in it between my my middle finger and my ring finger as opposed to a slit in it from my index finger and my middle finger. I don't shoot split, split finger, I shoot three under, but it just gives a little bit of a bend or break in there. I don't know if that's I'm supposed to or if that's good or bad, but that's just the way I shoot and that's the way um, the, the tab feels good for me in my hand. So anyway, um, I really like that, that one, that Yoast tab gets, you know, is super, super durable. A lot of the competition um, guys like that. Uh, and there's, you know, there, there's a bunch of others. I don't think there's really a bad, uh, tab out there. You just have to try them. Uh, but definitely do use one of those things. Don't just, don't just start shooting one of these things off your fingers because you will do nerve damage. I mean, um, I can shoot for hours and not feel anything, uh, in a good way, not feel pain, um, in my, in my fingers. But I mean, if you've ever, and of course I tried it, if you ever tried just shooting just off your fingers, man, after like 10, 12 shots, you're, you're, they're start your fingers are starting to hurt and they get numb. Don't do it, and you'll do damage um, to your to your nerves. So, by the time you get just the bow and a tab, a tab, like I said, is anywhere from like you know eight bucks to I think the Fred Eichler one that I use is like eighteen or nineteen dollars, right? Um, the Yoast tab might be you know thirty or forty, I, I don't know, but it'll last you forever. Um, but let's just say twenty bucks approximately you're going to spend on a tab, and then. Um, you know, that, that, and then get yourself, um, a stringer, but get yourself the, for a recurve. Uh, again, I'm, I don't, I'm not a longbow guy right now. Um, I think it'll work for longbow, longbows too, but get yourself the, uh, the Selway, uh, stringer. And again, those are like, I think like, I don't know, they're under 15 bucks. Maybe I don't think somewhere around there. I could be, I could be off by five bucks here and there, but, um, don't, don't do the step through method. Um, you will, uh, 
you know, I, everyone, everyone says that, well, you're going to, you're going to risk uh, twisting a limb. Well, I don't know if you're going to really twist the limb. I don't know if that's, that's a old, old wives tale or not, uh, or like a cautionary thing. You know, people are told, oh, don't ever do the step through method. You're going to, you're going to twist the limb. You might, I don't know. I, I don't really see how that's possible to, for that little minimal of twisting to permanently, you know, mess up your bow, but use a stringer because those limbs are under tension and if you're going to do the step through method you are basically hold you know it, it's uh you just gotta there, there are people online that will show you how to do the step through method i'm not advocating for them um but the problem is or the potential problem is you could lose an eye um you know you'll shoot your eye out kind of thing and by that i mean uh, you're, you're, you're putting all this pressure, kind of uh, pushing one way with your palm and pushing another way with your knee, and, and then you're trying to slide this, uh, slide the string up into the, uh, into the string groove, um, you know, where your palm is and stuff. Uh, if for some reason the tip, the, the upper limb tip, okay, where you're trying to slide that, that string onto the string groove, as you're pushing on it with, with, your, with your palm or your hand in, in the same kind of spot, if that limb tip flings out of your palm as you're putting all this, uh, all, all this uh, stress to it, the strain to it, then the bow will torque, it will spring up because it's a spring, right? A bow is a spring under a, tremend a tremendous amount of, of, of tension and it could spring up right into your eye and just follow your hand right up and then your hand will actually like guide it up almost. It'll fling off your palm and it'll go right into your face. And there are, you know, pictures out there, guys with like, you know, uh, bruised, uh, you know, eye, eye sockets and things like that. I haven't seen anybody actually anybody's eyeballs popping out or anything, but it does happen. Just, just don't do it. Just use a stringer. Um, the point I'm trying to make is these kits are good, but I think you can assemble your own better. Um, these kind of like ready to hunt, ready to go kind of things don't, oh, aren't always, um, stuff that you're going to end up using, or at least you're not getting your money's worth out of it. And the stuff that you buy separately piecemeal, honestly, you're not really saving any money by buying, uh, or, or, you know, you're not wait, spending any more money buying them separately. So get yourself a stringer, get that Selway one is awesome. Um, get yourself a, uh, a tab. Okay, or a glove if you want, but again, I prefer a tab. And after that, we're just, what are we left with? We're left with arrows, right? Because it's going to have a rest on there. It's going to have some sort of like rug rest. It's going to have a side plate. They all, they all come with them. Um, you know, and you can replace that with Velcro too if you didn't want to or if they wear out. Those are kind of uh, wear items on a bow, okay, on a traditional bow. Uh, the, 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 the rest material, the shelf material, um, you can buy that bare, uh, bare hair rest. You can buy an elevated rest like I have on one of my bows. Um, the bare weather rest, which is like a little elevated, uh, kind of deal, which makes my arrows fly amazing. I love that thing. Um, but a lot of guys just put just even like the, the female, the soft side of, uh, of, of Velcro down as a shelf material, or sometimes even as a side, as a side plate. Some people like leather on the side or uh, vinyl, whatever. But all that stuff comes with the bow. You don't necessarily have to buy that stuff. That's just maintenance, more you know, down the line that, you know, as they get wore out, um, your side plate won't, but your, uh, your shelf material will. You just replace that. So that's, that's kind of out the window. So all you're really left with now uh, is, well, your, your string knock, okay, where you want to put your string knock, um, which is your, uh, your, where your arrow knocks to the string, right? And arrows. Now... Uh, as far as knocks, I, I use a brass knock. I like brass knocks, uh, and I have knocking pliers. Knocking pliers are like, I think I bought, like, I can't even remember the name of the brand. Again, I got it through Three Rivers or something. A lot of people sell them. Um, they're, they're actual knocking pliers so that they can actually go into the groove of a brass knock and spread them open, too, if you want to get and take them off. Um, they're, like, again, somewhere, like, 8 to 12 bucks, somewhere around there. Super cheap. And they're invaluable. I like brass knocks. There are a couple different sizes, um, you know, depending on how thick your string is. They both kind of work. Um, once you start playing around with them a little bit, you can, I think I like the, the smaller, I think the small ones are red. It's got like a little red felt inside of them and the bigger ones are black. They have the black felt. I can't remember, or vice versa. I can't remember. I like the smaller one. Um, and that will set your knock height. Or you, you know, you, you kind of crimp it onto the, onto the um, string, watch a video or two on how to do it. Okay, so you're not pinching the string and, and things like that. Um, some people don't like them because it wears away your tab a little bit because it's, it's kind of hard on, on your tab. So what? 
If you have a good tab, honestly, I, I don't have an issue. Yeah, there's like a little kind of groove or indentation worn into my um, into my tab, but it sits there all the time. And honestly, if you if you clock if you clock that brass knock so that the open ends, okay, which are like the sharp ends, if you will, you know, because it's like a little um, it looks like a U shape when you buy it, and then it goes in the pliers, and then you 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 kind of slip the U shape whole, whole deal over the string, and then you crimp it. And then it closes up those ends, but those ends kind of have like a little sharp edge on them where they meet, right? Because it's basically where the brass, you know, edges are. Um, if you have a little bit of foresight, and this is after your string is stretched, and you know you've done you're done twisting your uh, your string and whatever to get it to, to the right um, uh, brace height and everything, uh, you put this on, and you, with a little bit of foresight, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to clock this the open end kind of outboard you know, or off to, you know, let's say you're, you're looking at it and it's at like the five o'clock position or something like that. So that when you grab the string from the front side and your tab get, you know, is, is, is pushing on it on, on the smooth curved surface of, of the knock rather than the end where the two ends come to meet where there might be a sharp surface. So that's just a little extra tip. Uh, that seems to work really good for me. I, you know, I always try to clock them that way. I always use two knocks. Some people are against two knocks or say they don't need them. For me, I've seen enough slow-mo videos um, of, uh, of knocks that, that, that slide down at, at the shot. So normally, typically when we, knock, when we put a knock on an arrow or a brass knock or a knocking point on an arrow, we do it so that the arrow clips underneath that. Um, and another piece of, of equipment I'm going to get to here is... Um, uh, is, is a square, okay, uh, like a knocking, um, well, it's not a T-square, um, anyway, it, it clips onto the string, a bow square, thank you, it clips onto the string, and it will tell you, you know, your knock height, right, uh, can't really get into explaining how that thing works right now, because there's different graduations and things like that on it, but it actually clips to your string, and then the long part of it rests on your shelf, and then back by the string side again, there's a little vertical uh, vertical part of it that has graduations that tell you in inches, you know, how, you know, up and down the string. Normal, there's other, there's the way people measure it sometimes is different, but the accepted way that that, that most people measure it when they say what what your um, break, when what your uh, knock height is, is you measure to the bottom of the top string knock. So I've got. Let's say you only have one string knock on there, and you and you crimp it onto the onto the string. Well, your arrow would clip right underneath that, butted up against the bottom of that. Okay, so you measure to the bottom of that brass knock. Okay, and then I like to put another knock on the other side of the arrow knock, a brass knock on the other side. I know I'm, we're kind of getting confused with with a knock here, but um, I like to put a brass knock on the bottom side as well, so that the arrow knock. Okay, is completely captured top and bottom. You got to leave a little bit of uh, free play room in there, a little bit of wiggle room, so that when you're at full draw, it doesn't like totally pinch it and twist and, and, and dig in. Um, it's just to take up that slack because you know as, as you draw that that string makes a V and it tightens up that little gap between the two knocks. But I've seen enough um, evidence uh, online. I've never actually done it myself because I've always just used two that you could have the string kind of sliding up and down. I think it controls it, the, 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 arrow, the back of the arrow sliding up and down the string, especially if you have, uh, and if you have perfect, 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 perfect string uh, um, knock fit on there, that's fine. Um, it may not move down. However, I don't like mine too tight. I don't have them too loose either, but you know, as you shoot hundreds or thousands of, of shots out of your string and you're always clipping the, the arrow knock onto the string in the exact same spot, your, your, your serving can get worn down, it can get, it can get squished a little bit, and it's not as tight there. Now, it's not a bad deal. The, war, the, the serving isn't worn away. It's not bad. It's just that you may lose some of the tightness that you might want in there, and you might have a little bit of uh, you know, free play up and down. Remember, once the knock is kind of clipped, and it's kind of like a clip-clip, like a uh, the way most knocks are, two little notches, that could be you know, relatively tight getting in, but once it's clipped all the way into that string groove, um, the string groove is kind of, it's got more, more gap in there. 
So your string can, can freely like float up and down easier, meaning your knock can float up and down easier. And I don't like that. So anyway, I use two brass knocks. I don't use the, um, the tie-on knocks. I've tried tie-on knocks, and the tie-on knocks are, um, they're easy to do, okay? The benefit of them is that, you know, they say, well, it weighs less and, uh, you know, it's not as much weight on your string. I don't care. Again, we're shooting trad bows. Um, I'd rather have a more solid, secure thing. Um, and also, I think they move up and down the string easier. Now, it's, 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 it's a trick, trick, quote-unquote, um, to be able to find your perfect knock height as you're shooting bear shafts, where you tie them on at a certain tension, and then because your serving is wound kind of like a screw in a, in a helical kind of fashion, if you twist them one way and while pushing up, then it'll move that knock. The knock will kind of rotate up, kind of like a nut on a bolt, you know, and you can turn it one way, it'll screw itself up. You can turn it the other way, it'll screw itself down. And you can kind of fine tune where you want that knock height to be. That's that's okay. I still do that. I can still do that with a tight enough um, brass knock, not just crimp down all the way, but tight enough that it's not going to move. It's not going to slide up and down under tension. But I can still kind of twist it uh, by with my fingers and and rotate it, you know, counterclockwise or clockwise up and down that serving as it, as it as it winds its way up and down to find that. I can still do that. Um, I think the, the tied-on knocks tend to move more. Every time I shoot, they tend to uh, either screw or unscrew themselves, no matter how tight, tight I do it. Um, I know guys get away with it by just putting a dab of super glue or this and that. It's all personal. Just try it. But I like brass knocks because that's it, it's so easy for me to just have those and like knocking pliers and just get the tension right while I'm bare shaft tuning. And once it's done, I crimp them down. It's done. It's done. So... You got that. So what did we say? T square or uh, a bow square, uh, knocking pliers, um, uh, stringer. All of that we're talking under fifty bucks. Okay, under fifty bucks, and you got your tab again, whatever under sixty, seventy-five bucks. So we started off with a hundred and fifty-dollar bow. We're about two hundred, two twenty-five at this point, and then now we're going to move into arrows. Now arrows, it's kind of a tough one. If you are just starting out. In traditional archery I am going to tell you that you can get a set of arrows leave them full length put you know anywhere from 150 to 175 ish grain uh, tips up front you can even do 125s 150s are pretty good um, a lot of them come in at 145 actually and, and as long as you are kind of in the spine range and you've got nice feathers on them just learn to shoot. Everyone wants the absolute perfect uh, flight and arrow and spine and everything like that. As long as you're in the spine range, I'm telling you right now, don't chase your tail. We're trying to get absolute perfect anything. Right now, you are just learning how to shoot the bow. So don't stress about, well, this is a little bit stiff or this is a little bit weak or this is a little bit too heavy or a little too or whatever. All you're trying to do is get groups, no matter where those groups are, okay? Now, some may disagree with me saying, well, if you start getting groups and they're all high right for some reason, and that's how your brain learns, and then when you go down uh, a little bit further, then, you know, you got to unlearn that stuff. Well, maybe. But honestly, when you start shooting a traditional bow, you are so green, you are so new, everything is just is, is so, uh, you're trying to learn the process, you're trying to learn your shot process, um, it, you got a lot of information coming into your brain. Don't stress about arrow flight. You're not even, I'm going to say, you're probably not even concerned with where the arrows land. All you're trying to do is shoot something and your brain comprehend what's going on with your body, with your spatial orientation, with, with, with the feel of the muscles and, 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 and the sight picture and everything like that. And honestly, the arrows going downrange are just like a visual cue or visual um, kind of attaboy saying that, hey, I actually did something, right? So don't worry about the perfect setup. Um, I've gone off about how bad the, the online calculators are about what spine range you should be in. But let's put it this way. I'm going to sum it up. If you go get yourself a 35-pound bow or a 40-pound bow and you go get yourself a 600-spine, let's say a 40-pound bow, Okay, um, a six a six hundred 
a 600 spine arrow or a 600 spine gold tip comes in at like 30 and a half inches or something like that. You go put those on and you go get yourself some 100 and I'm gonna say 175 grain tips, okay, out of a 600 spine. Go shoot those. Go shoot those. Go buy the tips, okay, and those tips you will not find at a Cabela's, you will not find at your local archery store. Go to, go to Three Rivers and go, you know, buy a half dozen, you know, 175s or go buy a half dozen 150s and half a dozen um, uh, 200s, okay? They, they're like, again, they're like under six, seven bucks for a half dozen of them, right? If, if that. Get those things and just screw them on and shoot. You can buy 700 spine arrows, but they're a little bit harder to find. You got to kind of dig around for them for like a 30 or 35 pound bow. Same deal. Put a 150 grain tip on there and just shoot. You will be close enough. You will be close enough, okay? Set your knocking point to, I don't know, anywhere from half to five-eighths of an inch above center. And uh, we can go into that a little bit in, in, in a video. I'm going to actually show how to do that. But there's lots of videos out there showing it. And just get close and learn to shoot. And you know what? For the next, like, three months or 1,000 shots or whatever it is, just shoot that. Don't worry about everything else because it will sort itself out. I promise you it will sort itself out because once you're done doing all that stuff, then you can say, okay, man, I'm getting, I'm getting this, I'm getting that, I'm getting better. Then, you know, if you haven't broken those or lost those or, 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 or whatever, you, I'm going to tell you, okay, go ahead and shave the feathers off the back of that and shave the fletching off of that. Now you got a bear shaft. Now you can bear shaft tune with what you got. If you get to a point where you are so repeatable uh, with your shot and so good with your shot that you can trust the bear shaft tuning. And that's like kind of like the next level, okay? Entry level, like one-on-one trad bow stuff is just, just shoot and get your process down properly and have someone watch you. Have someone that actually knows what they're doing watch you. And I'm gonna say, the, and I didn't do this, but the number one thing I can recommend is go get a coach. Even if you borrow their time for like an hour or two, pay for that time, someone who's an actual archery coach and have them watch you. And then they can tell you, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're not expanding this way, you're dropping your bow arm, you're creeping forward, things like that. After that, okay, work on it yourself. And then you'll be ready for, you know, you'll graduate from the 101 level to the 201 level, which will be tuning, which will be like, okay, all right, I'm going to mess around with my, with my knock height a little bit here. I'm going to start shooting bear shafts. Um, and again, bear shafts may even only be, uh, it, it's depending on, on who you are, it might be like a 301 level. Okay, because you need to be really, really good on your release and really, really repeatable on your, on your release to give yourself good data. You are not a shooting machine. You're not infallible. So, arrows, to start off, just shoot things, get tip weight approximately close, and then get repeatability and get comfortable shooting the bow. Um, going back to the coach thing, most coaches, when they watch a person shoot, they're not even looking at the target. They're not looking at the arrows and how they group. They're looking at, their, from, at you from the side as you draw and as you shoot, and they're looking at you. They're looking at your arm, your bow arm. They're looking at your, uh, your head position. They're looking at, at, your, um, uh, at your wrist. They're looking if you're plucking the string. They're looking at the arrow to see if it's creeping forward before you release. They're looking at you. They're not even looking downrange. Okay, because the, they know the most important thing is to just get the process as absolutely perfect as you can. So, what else would you need to buy after all that? Well, a target, I guess. If you, uh, you, know, if you live somewhere where you can shoot in your backyard, go get a bag target. Bag targets are just fine. Um, you, know, you can go get yourself a fancier and more expensive Reinhardt 18-in-1 or one of the bigger uh, square ones. You know, they run about 130 bucks, 140, but man, they're worth it. They are the, they're top of the line. I won't say anything bad about a Reinhardt, but if you just want to go get a bag target, go, go to, you know, anywhere, go to store, sporting goods store, fleet farm, whatever, and go buy their, uh, you know, like the Morel, uh, bag target or whatever, um, or something similar. I'm not endorsing one or the other. Um, they're run about 50 bucks, but that's if you want to shoot, you know, at home in your backyard, uh, Otherwise, go to the range, you know, go to, go to your archery range and just shoot and just shoot. So we're well under, I'm going to say, complete start to finish and honest, an honest amount with, the, with, with arrows that might run you, let's say, 60 bucks for like six of them, right? Um, you might find them on sale. You might find them cheaper. You might, it might be a little more, 
but just learning to shoot and getting all that, I'm going to say you're going to be out the door for just, just coming in just under 300 bucks. 150 for the bow, say uh, another like 50 or 60 uh, for, um, for the arrows, like I said. So you're at, you're at like 200 and then the rest of it is, uh, uh, you know, tab, um, uh, stringer, and uh, bow square, and uh, knocking point pliers, you know, so well under that. Um, if you wanted to add a quiver into there, well, they're super nice quivers. I really like a Selway. Uh, there's Great Northern is the other one. There's also Thunderhorn, which I'm not super enamored with, but they're a little bit cheaper. You can buy like a Quickie Quiver, which are like, like the plastic ones. Um, if you really feel you, you want to have one, I like having it on there because I like shooting it with that weight on the side. I always have arrows in my quiver as I'm shooting or, or my quiver on my bow at least. Um, so if you're going to hunt with the thing, that's what I do. So anyway, um, that's, that's the gist of it. That's, that's the, you know, if you, you know, it, it, you can get into this for like, like I said, under 300 bucks, that's where I would start. And, uh, you know, set aside some time. Don't get, don't get frustrated, set aside some time. And, and also if you have the money and you have someone locally that actually knows what they're doing, set aside an hour uh, and pay them to be an archery coach. Otherwise, uh, you know, go find somebody that actually really knows what they're doing, but that's kind of tough to find because you, how do you know if they know what they're doing, you know? And if you know what, they are, uh, what they're supposed to be doing, then you would know what you're supposed to be doing. So that's kind of a tough one. But anyway, I'm going to wrap this one up here. Uh, thanks for joining me again. Uh, please go and uh, uh, interact on the Facebook group, Bowhunting Soul. Um, and go check out the YouTube videos, Bowhunting Soul. I put, you know, different stuff up. Some of it uh, applies to this. Some of it, apply, you know, doesn't overlap. But uh, I appreciate that. If you like this podcast, I'm trying to make it better. If you notice, I got the intro music. I'm still waiting, uh, for trying to figure out how to do the fades better and how to do, uh, um, you know, some of the audio and things like that a little bit better. So, uh, thanks for sticking with me. Um, I'm learning as I go. I'm literally learning with every single episode. Like, oh, I'm going to do a little bit different, a uh, li little bit different on here, a little bit different on there for this episode. So anyway, like, share, and subscribe. Leave a rating. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your bow hunting friends. It's not going to be all traditional, but it's going to be mostly traditional. And uh, I will see you guys next time. Thank you.